back, Dog Earthlets, and Happy New Year! Oh my, my name god! Is <laughs> my name is Connor, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 190th episode of Space Spinner 2000. 190 oh years of Space Spinner oh, 2000. Fuck. <laughs> A podcast where, since 1830, two Americans have tried to make sense of the UK's own <laughs> galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. It's been this a episode, lot of comics. Definitely. Yeah, we're covering 2000 AD for October, November 1988. Progs, 595 to 599. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, big five-prog episode with returns for Tyranny Rex and Rogue Trooper. Plus, things Oof. are getting extremely tense in both Zenith and Moonrunners. Yeah, I like those. And if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 12, Zenith Phase 2, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth Volume 3, 2008 Extreme Edition 21, and The Ugh. Judge Dredd Magazine 282. Jeez, Pete. It's all spread out there. You know, we got some stuff. Anyway. Yeah. 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 And- <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Speaking of a speaking of a of a defensive actions, Fox. Oh man. Through one Zenith. God, this uh this whole thing, especially around like five ninety eight, gets real weird. Yeah, some good stuff in here, man. Oh. Uh, script about Grant Morrison, art about Steve Yole, letting about Mark King. It's black and freezing out as Peter Sinjin, aka Mandala, wanders a destroyed world full of unseen broken people and sad baby dolls yeah i was uh, <laughs> that's how you know that the world's really gone to shit is when those creepy like you know you tip them up and their eyes open up baby dolls uh, are just broken and Look laying on the ground yeah yep. what what have they done to this world he looks up He's waiting for the light, and he sees the sun, the black sun. Oh, man, what could it mean? What could any of this mean? A black hole, sun. <laughs> um, you'll remember, Fox, um, in, Zen- in, Zen- in Zenith Phase 1, those Nazis that resurrected Ma- uh, Master Man were called the Order of the Black Sun. Mm-hmm. So this might be related to previous Sinjin plans. Yeah, sun's Ooh. black. And it seems strange and Lovecraftian. It's got new colors and geometries and spectrums inside of it, incubating inside the sun. Oh, my God. Something's going to get born out of it. It's cracking. Whatever it is, they know his name and he knows them. <gasps> he wakes with a start and a glowing figure and is in his room. I mean, like a glowing nude figure. <laughs> hey. It's just kind of like, yeah, I love that, like, he's just like, oh, I'm not surprised, basically. She and her friend needs his help. There's something about the Omnihedron, which we learned a little bit about in the, in phase one. And we, and we learned that this is a Penelope Moon, aka Spook, who has uh, seen some things. Yeah, since she fell through a mirror in the 1960s when all those Cloud Nine guys were, were, were dying one by one. Mm Mm-hmm. Or falling through mirrors, I guess, and then gaining super awesome invisibility powers. Or- yeah, but I mean, in that case, it's sort of missing and assumed dead kind of things. You yeah. know, they, all, they all died at various around then. Um, she says she'll be back soon as she disappears Cheshire Cat style, mm. and he'll and he'll join them then. In his head, Sinjin wonders um, that things are coming apart. And uh, things are – there are extra-dimensional worries, lunatics with nukes, humanity is playing Russian roulette and has just pulled the trigger. I mean, really, uh, you know, time for a good nap, I suppose. <laughs> it means you, you got to go back to sleep at some point, I guess, you know. Yeah, after you write in your, in your journal. 
<laughs> Dream journal. Meanwhile, in Scotland, uh, Zenith and Phaedra have arrived at Wallace's base. Oh, this is uh, great. Yeah, there's a huge electrified fence, and Phaedra starts to do some spy stuff for it, but Zenith just kind of grabs her, and they zoom over it, and then rips open a vent, because superheroes are pretty good at spy stuff, to be honest. Yeah, man. It's just like, uh, you know, now, now that we're about to go down like a dark hole, why don't uh, why don't you go down first? Yeah. They die hard their way into the building. I, I you know, it's I, I can't remember any real die hard super die hard type superhero movies. Maybe Captain America Winter Soldiers his way yeah, into the, uh, into the base. Um, it's all deserted and weirdly museum like, complete with those superheroes with the superhero suits of Zenith's mom and dad. In those gla- yeah, and they're those glass tubes you always see superhero suits being contained in, in the movies. You know, right? I, yeah, they have the I, light come from the bottom, and like yeah. on the far end. And I just I want to note note this just because I see it now. You could see like d- jars on uh, on shelves back there, really looking yeah. like fetus like. Like they're collecting things that may oh, yeah. that may come into uh, may come into play later. Fairly gross stuff here. Um, <laughs> Zenith is shocked figuratively and then literally by some chick with a lightning bolt. Oh my god! I can't wait to hear their names. Yeah, Phaedra draws her gun, but is also zapped. A blonde and brunette grab her as pain. You know that oh, the old scientist guy mm-hmm. helps Zenith get up, and their initial like him taking. And Payne taking Zenith's hands here is not unlike the uh, the, the uh, Michelangelo's creation of Adam from the Sistine Chapel. You know, oh, so yeah, some references yeah. in the art here. Um, Wallace also shows up now with a sweet hot air balloon sweater. So, like, all you have to do is knock. Jeez. I know. I, if they didn't, I mean, if the Richard Branson thing wasn't like a fucking firm connection at this point, they've slapped that, like, slapped you with a fish across the face at this point. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, they're, even, they're about to do it even more uh, uh, mm. right now. But first, Sinjin arrives at 10 Downing Street, where it's confirmed that the HMS resolve is missing. Seems that the, these terrorists have not made any demands, only an ultimatum, and they don't know what to do. Mm. Meanwhile, again, in Scotland, saying that a lot this episode, uh, Wallace is introducing <laughs> everybody. The big robots named Warhead. The two super ladies are Shockwave and Blaze. Uh, really just dipping into the well of creativity on that one. Blaze literally an American gladiator. Um, oh, that- <laughs> <name>. <laughs> uh, wow. There's there's Dr. Payne and then he's Scott Wallace. And he says, do you know me holding up his, his American Express card, mm-hmm. which is a reference to literal American Express ads that Richard Branson did. Um, Phaedra says she does and she's going to take him down for violating the human test ban treaty and so forth. Oh, man. She this really dropping- does not end well for her. <laughs> yeah, she just starts saying some general anti-human, superhuman rhetoric and so forth, and Wallace just shoots her right in the face. Yeah, man, and Zenith is like uh, real shocked at this. And what was what I was really shocked by was how quickly he stopped being shocked by that. It's true. Yeah, he's like, you didn't have to do that. And he's like, oh, he's just being a moan, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyhow, the missiles are launching Friday, so he'd better call Thatcher. It's only right because she's done so much for him over the years with you know Jeez, various, Pete's, man. Um, you know, conservative policies and so forth and so on. Um, <laughs> Zenith is freaked out by Phaedra's death as Payne wipes Phaedra's blood off of his face and explains that the whole uh, steel nukes and destroy London plan. Um, you know, he just explains the whole details of yeah. the plan. Payne himself is against it, but Wallace is paying the bill, so it's better not to, you know, make waves and stuff. Payne. I mean, listen, it's hard for me to get funding when I'm trying to make super soldiers, you know? Exactly. Payne 
echoes Phaedra by now dropping some general pro-superhuman rhetoric. I know. Zenith homo novus or new man, <sighs> evolution's perfect child. Yeah, this is really starting to sound like eugenics. I mean, I mean, it literally is because I guess they were yeah. you know, breeding. They had all those moms and stuff like that, you know. Oh, yeah, that's like. right. Oh, I forgot about that, Oogie. Remember there was one yeah. they had to like, that was real weird. They had to toss in like stasis oh, God, in the back gross. closet and that's stuff. That's right, yeah. yeah. And they don't have any idea of like like what it is. It can't keep a form. Right. It's, it's bad times. But Ugh. anyway, <laughs> um, you know, Zenith does not care. And he just wants to watch the latest episode of Neighbors. Okay. Boo! This is a Coronation Street podcast! Anyway. <laughs> Peter Sinjin feeds pigeons outside Westminster as he, as he gets philosophical about the bombs dropping on London tomorrow. The royal family has already been evacuated, but of course the regular people won't be to be too much of a hassle. That's such a fucking, like, I, I don't feel like that would happen. <laughs> That's like no, the I first mean, thing that they want to do is get the people not in there. I mean, I think it might just be like, you know, there's just, it'd be too much panic and stuff. Just let everybody die, and then we'll make political hay out of it, you know? So that's the way you do it these days. Um, Oof. Meanwhile, in Scotland, once more, um, (laughs) Zenith is learning some new powers from pain as the doctor explains that Zenith being born to two superhuman parents make him special and could allow him to overthrow humans. Yeah, like, you know, they're very much saying that he's kind of got a Superman-esque, like, you can can manifest most of the powers. You just have to, like, sort of figure out how to do it, basically. Yeah, you can vibrate to get through these walls. That's the coolest. (laughs) If you you vibrate fast enough. Yeah. Payne drops your standard Magneto speech of just about how how shitty humans are, and then superhumans should should just kill all these normies and stuff. God, and like really makes everybody like look real gross by comparison. It's like, oh man, like all the rainforests, and the guy looks like a fucking creature, and oh, you know, like we're all crying over E.T., but it's perfectly fine with us killing whales and turning them into fucking pet food and soap. What about aerosol? It's like, oh, man, they're the real enemy, huh? I mean, I do like these outdated, um, like, uh, ecological concerns, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's all like ozone layers and like general care for charismatic macrofauna as opposed to like the seas swallowing up the cities the way we have now, you know? (laughs) That's that's very true. Those were the days. Massive, they asked you uh, just not to cut down trees, kill animals, and use aerosol. You know, famine-based uh, <clears throat> refugee crises and so forth and so oh. on. But anyway, uh, speaking of expanding problems, he heads out and lets Shockwave and Blaze in. After oh all, God. buddy, if superhumans are to inherit the Earth, we'll need more of them. So commence to breeding. He's like, wait, you what? <laughs> Get in there. Oh, my God. And then just cut to a different scene. And I'm like, yeah. well... I, this comic got real – like, he just saw a woman got shot in the face. Yeah. You know, there, there's ups and downs. Um, Payne goes to, wa- <laughs> to watch Wallace, who may, in fact, be watching uh, Zenith and Shockwave and Blaze get it on here. It's hard Which, to tell. Oh, God, man. Payne says he barely explained what Zenith could do at all, but it doesn't matter because tomorrow is when his biorhythm is at its lowest point. So he'll basically be powerless when the missiles launch, and that's when they'll kill him. What? 
oh my god, can these guys actually be the bad guys? I mean, I'm pretty sure they're the bad guys. <laughs> I like, feel like we've hit most of the boxes at this point, right? I mean, they they shot Phaedra in the face. They and stole are about- nuclear bombs and want to blow up London. <laughs> yeah, are about they to bomb a London. Program. <laughs> yeah, they do have a eugenic be- breeding program. Can't stress it enough. Oh, <laughs> man. Really- These guys are not looking real good. I don't know if I would hang out there even if they gave me super babes. Like, that just feels like, uh, you know, icing on the terrifying shit sandwich. I mean, I would, but I'm comfortable with hypocrisy, Fox, so it's fine, you know. <laughs> um, it's February 10th. Payne walks in on Zenith boredly reading Frankenstein. Ah, ah, ah. Because, mm. you know, Payne created Zenith. So, you know, whatever. Wow. There's a lot of stuff with books, actually, that I've been calling out and I feel bad about it. But, like, we're constantly seeing book titles and stuff that I'm positive have references to things. Mm. Um, Shockwave and Blaze are apparently quiet. They communicate telepathically, which has got to be kind of weird when you're doing it or whatever. Yeah. When you have it, you're, you're in the middle of your superhero th- uh, threesome. But <laughs> Payne isn't here for that. Because he's going to finally tell Zenith about his parents. In 1965, Task Force UK refused to assist the US in Vietnam. And by 1967, had rebranded as Cloud Nine and started to realize that the government was sterilizing them. Yeah. White Heat and Dr. Beat uh, disappeared for several months, presumably when Zenith was conceived and then born, passed to his grandparents. Mm. In the spring of 67, they were driving in the south of France, uh, possibly feeling pretty good about themselves when they were hit by a psychic attack from the CIA's shadow men. Which, uh, again, like, they haven't mentioned that the CIA have, like, psychic people. We never see who it is that actually attacks them. So I'm really starting to think, I I have my suspicions that this is still the bad guys that we're talking about here. We kowtow the globalists because the CIA shadow men threatening us. (laughs) Um, The babies. Yeah, listen, turn the superheroes gay. Um, But they they went off the (laughs) side of the cliff. They're using their their CIA experiments to neutralize All all these superhumans. Yeah, chimeras with sad human eyes, buddy. Anyway, oh my God. <laughs> um, they went over the side of the cliff and were not quite dead. And that's when Payne and the others took her, which, yeah, like they do seem to be working a little bit with these shadow men. They apparently kept her eyes, you know, just for safekeeping. What the fuck? Cloned Blaze from her cells, and then Zenith had sex with her. Oh, he had sex with his own cloned mama. That's, that's gross. It's real weird, right? Like, not okay, guys. Not cool. Shockwave was cloned from Ruby Fox, AA, and uh, the super, that's going to be real uncomfortable if they ever meet again. Oh, yeah, that's true. But then after all that happened, the superhumans got sick and lost their powers, um, though it seemed maybe one of them, Lux, might have faked his own death. Mm -hmm. But what happened to Zenith's dad? I mean, baby, he got turned into a bum, I guess. Yeah, they hooked his brain into the robot known as Warhead, and now it's going to kill Zenith. Oh, my God. It's real uh, <clears throat> real unfortunate here. Uh, they are really messing with this, this fucking guy. <laughs> Next time, a family affair. Oh, oh I feel like there oh, already was yeah. a family affair. Oh, Whoa. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, that title is just kind of gross. <laughs> Yeah, some real, like, rough bombshells here with the incest and so forth. And then your dad's a robot? Oh, jeez. And your dad was also sent to, like, beat you up a whole bunch. And also, like, you've got to fight him again, probably. Yeah, yeah, your dad's not just a robot, but a murderous robot. That's the worst kind. I know, right? Like, (laughs) 
No, except you want maybe your like, father like, to be your father or a murderer, not both. Except maybe like a Walter type robot. That's probably the worst kind of robot. Oh, you know? I mean, you know, that's the less said about that abomination, the better. Indeed. And speaking of people who have difficulty uh, following orders, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> Throw two moon runners. Man, uh, the obsession that Bellard Dinelli has with with women looking a particular way. <laughs> hey. Uh, script about Al McKenzie and Steve Parkhouse. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Or sorry, script about yeah, Al McKenzie and Steve Parkhouse. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Letting robot Steve Potter. Or Jack Potter, I should say. One of those Potters. It's too many Potters. Kempo. The, I mean, there's two. Kempo, the first officer of the Moonrunner ship, Spirit of St. Louis, has found a traitor with a homing device in the hold of that ship. Cut off his cut hand. off his hand. Yeah. yeah. But the blood from it has awoken a swarm of Blatbugs. Blatbugs that are about to attack. Man, they have the unfortunate <clears throat> business of, like, being real gross, hairy, like, whatever. But the way that he ends up dealing with this is possibly the worst kind of animal ever created. That's which fun part, stuff here. Yeah. Um, which so, part do you poop from? Um, listen, a sailor rushes to hurry Kempo out of the hold before the bugs attack, but Kempo wants to return with the traitor alive. But there's just no time. The sailor tosses his buddy Barnaby, a two-headed Blatblug fighting yeah. snake. Yeah. Again, which part does that poop from? It's it's two-headed, but not like in the way you hope for. It's it's, it's like a snake with with heads on each on each side. Not I mean, a good. It's not a it's not a good ad. That's all I'm saying. You know, I mean, it could like like a puke it out or something, or just sort of you oh. know. <laughs> I mean, uh, but yes. honestly, it. it it probably just com- comes from some part on its body. I mean, snakes don't poop out the back of their tails, you know? That's... <laughs> they, they don't. <laughs> no, it just gave me a very firm image. <laughs> An earthworm-like snake, basically. Something. Um, oh. So anyway, Barnaby does not... Only buys them a couple seconds. They escape from the hold as the traitor is eaten alive. Back in the cockpit, they explain the situation... Or the bridge, I guess. They explain the situation to the captain. He's not pleased... He calls the ship owner Kara Ogilvy Nash, and they have to recrew to purge any possible traitors aboard. Yeah, man. It's the only choice you have. Also, like, God, this office scene, and Jesus Christ, what everyone wears. <laughs> it's really Everyone's wearing miniskirts. Lots of them. Kara's uh, pissed, plus her daughter Carol is missing after their fight last episode. She agrees to the recruiting and will meet Flynn on Wicker's World in 34 hours for the ceremony. Flynn is waiting, but the evil Van Hertz clan are listening in on this and are planning to mess things up. Yeah, of course they are. Who is the spy? Man, it could be anybody, but it seems like it's just in the comm systems, to be honest. Yeah, I um, mean, clearly. Maybe it's just, yeah, you're right, actually. If they're just able to snoop in on the captain's private communiques. Yeah. So Wait, two or is spirit- it the captain? Who done it? Two spirit ships leave Terminus aboard the Spirit of Concord is Karen Nash, who's moving around in disguise, and the rotund Bugman captain warns her that women apparently can't be on Moonrunners because there's superstition-based laws aboard these ships. Uh, yeah, it's they go into this a little bit later, which I think is kind of rad, but it uh, yeah, it seems a little it's a little weird. 
Yep. They're headed to Wicker's world and she has to stay hidden in a secret cabin. The Van Hertz's are on to her though and Mrs. Van Hertz is chuckling because aboard the Concord is someone they fired recently. Gasp. Roland Keeper. Keeper. Oh, yeah. Union rep who's real crazy. It's got like that sort of like a bushy, like curly hair of the inveterate union organizer and so forth. Is this like um, – I'm yeah, so I figured this was like a – I mean, this is someone saying something. It feels like. Yeah. Well, it's like it. 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 it it's like a caricature, I believe, of several mm. sort of uh, like like a tropes for communists and union guys and stuff Got like it. that. Um. Anyway, on a soapbox, he addresses the crew. Um. There may be a lady aboard the ship, and they will not stand for it. Oh my God! This is horrible. Why would this call- happen? Yeah, they call it work haltage. The, sh- the ship has stopped and Mrs. Nash is not pleased. When the captain explains about Kiefer, Kara devises a plan and goes to, in- goes to slip into something a little bit more comfortable. Uh, oh, uh, my God. <laughs> Woo! Uh, on Wicker's world, Captain Flynn gets a space telegram. Kara Ogilvy Nash is missing and presumed dead. Luckily, Carol has been found and will attend the recruiting ceremony. The message is from four hours ago. And we see that also four hours ago, Kara was handing out champagne and trying to seduce Mr. <laughs> Kiefer. Really, uh, we see how successful this shit goes. It turns out he's a true believer in these rituals and stuff and does not care for her bourgeoisie and his incinerations. Oh <laughs> He's really, really upset, but he's like, he just gets the fuck out of there, and she is just completely pissed off at herself for misreading the situation. He storms off. Consider yourself marooned. I say good day. Jeez. Um, Karen knows she blew it and lounges sexily. Meanwhile, Flynn is at a restaurant also getting champagne with an obvious mob type who disrespects Kempo. Oh, man. And hey, 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 oh, hey, oh, hey, forget about it. Don't worry about hey, it. It's just a oh. joke. Hey, oh, whoa, hey. Spaceship Alini. <laughs> Spaceship Alini. Hey, yo, let's do a three and a half hour movie about space teamsters. It's time. All right. Oh, my God. Why not? <laughs> the Space Irishman. Um, so he's got a deal for Kempo to transport some uh, tractor pots. Yeah, tractor pots for big bucks, complete with a bonus for Flynn. Flynn says no, he's got a recruit and needs to sign a um, a need sign off from Kara, who of course is incommunicado. They head out. Kempo warning about blowing off the space mafia, the Cosmo yeah. Nostra. Oh, that was real good. Loved <laughs> this, that. This space thing of ours. Um, oh Flynn, my God. Ex- Flynn details the recrew just as to do heavy checks, be real careful, their background checks and stuff. The buzzers are circling, but Flynn believes Kara Nash is alive and on the case. I love that he's like, you know, check all the irregulars and the casual hands, crew members old and new, even the tried and tested. Check me, then get someone to check you. Yeah. It's like, you check everybody. Good man and thorough. Mm-hmm. So it's time for the recruiting ceremony and Carol's there in her miniskirt, thigh-high boots, belly and a belly cloak, along with traditional dowdy <laughs> older female companion. Oh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the teapot from Beauty and the Beast kind of feels from this. If you yeah, ask me. I mean, except one looks like a dominatrix and one looks like a normal person. Yeah, definitely. You know, her job is basically just to sit there as the ceremony begins. Captain Flynn comes out in a pretty sweet, like puffy uniform and giant cape, and walks to a podium with a book. Man, I love this whole thing. They t- yeah. they treat it really, really religious, almost. 
Yeah, there's some interesting notes here for sure. Carol comments on his clothes and a bullfrog alien explains that it's the uniform of a Commodore with a bunch of campaign ribbons from the Fortune Wars when Flynn commanded a a wing of Mistral attack ships. One of the campaigns, Hellstone Beacon, is when Carol's father's – is where Carol's father died. That's kind of interesting. Aw, then she had herself a tiny cry. Yeah. Uh, Flynn leads some space scripture. Seems like it may, and either, yeah, her father, remembering her father's death or the space scripture is moving for Carol. Um, and then Flynn makes the oath of, will take the oaths of fidelity, but first makes his to Carol. Oh. Back on the ship, Flynn is getting out of uniform when a message comes in from corporate with Kara missing. The bankers are looking for cash. Oh, my God. That means their ship is being sold or maybe sold back. I'm not sure what's going on here. Yeah, I think it's sold back or like it's basically maybe she's got just first rights. Yeah. But whatever. They're being sold to the Van Hertz is is the important thing. Mm. Uh, The ship takes off as the sleeping matron is woken up. She's got to leave the area as the ship takes off. But Miss Carol is missing. Oh, my God. Thanks, weird elephant nose man. (laughs) Just good aliens generally. Yeah, like, I mean, it's Bella Dinelli special, right? Absolutely. With no choice to say solvent, Flynn is forced to take that uh, Cosmo Nostra job he was offered a while ago. Not good to get in with the mob when your boss is almost gone. It's true. Uh, the crew, the new crew is going through decontamination, which Flynn oversees, and we got some good naked alien here. I mean, real good. I love the big bushy-haired one. I like the guy that that's clearly some kind of monster living inside another creature's butt, man. That's a pretty solid <laughs> alien right there. It really reminds so me of that one uh, time in, on a Rick and Morty where there was uh, a dimension of, of hamsters that lived in people's butts. And, oh, that's know. right. Got a real look like that. Um, the new cabin boy's taking a while, and when Flynn checks on her, it's actually Carol Nash, naked as hell. Oh my! Uh, ooh, uh, <laughs> he goes through all of the, all of the great kind of uh, uh, Looney Tunes esque shock phases. Harry, get this towel on, and then oh no, I tripped and I'm completely nude. It's just really. Yeah slapstick flynn shocked but yeah it seems she had no choice anyway the ship rumbles and she falls nude into his arms oh they almost kiss and flynn pushes her off and tosses her and tosses her a uh, a coverall to put on stay out of sight or you'll be marooned you're our new cabin boy try not to be feminine in any way God damn that sexy cabin boy! Um, I, I don't know what's come over me lately. <laughs> that mob boss is rattling off his legal dealings to Mrs. Van Hertz. Those doity rats. Next time, betrayal. More so, I guess. <laughs> it just seems like they just keep getting screwed. So I don't know what the upshot is going to be anytime soon. Definitely, yeah. It's just like a uh, what you call it, you know, just a web of betrayal. No one's, no one's saying loyal to these dudes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, it's pretty good. I have, I liked it, man. I, you know, there's some. I, I really like this, this weird, like, you know, the merchant wars, and that there's some, there's these like really fucking old rules that you got to recite when you're changing crew members. It's kind of yeah. Neat. I do think it's you know it is a real attempt to kind of create this world of these like big space truckers and like we'll see a bunch of stuff actually with their um, subspace. You know how that how they go uh, fast and light next time. And I cool. think 
because apparently that is the has the possibility of being so tra- traumatic. They built a lot of like, um, you know, rituals and religion and like uh, superstitions and stuff around all that stuff. And so we're seeing part uh, of it now. Yeah. All right. But yeah. But 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 speaking of uh, comp on, on the topic of complex uh, uh, plots. Oh yeah. Fox, God. <laughs> Thrill three tyranny Rex. What the fuck is going on in this? I'm going to try my best. I feel like I, I've got it together mostly. Um, I mean, I trust you. Walk me through this. <laughs> uh, scripter about John Smith and Chris uh, Stanley. Art about Will, Will Simpson. Letting about Gordon Robson as kid. So, um, at a sweet hot tub, a dude named Bart, who's got some kind of an exoskeleton thing, is talking to his agent, who pitches postmodern vomit, uh, vomit yeah, to him. Which is pretty, pretty rad, I think. <laughs> Yeah, when the agent is pulled under the water and then a huge figure in some kind of carapace armor or maybe a robot bursts out of the water and kills him. Soft oh bodies, God. part one. <laughs> Which, you know, I, okay, so I kind of get it now. Richest body sculpture alive. All right, mm, yep. I'm starting to put these things together now. Meanwhile, Tyranny Rex is listening to the news on a TV built into some dude's tummy, and he's also got kind of <laughs> some kind of shoulder wing thing growing out of his uh, side. When there's a and knock he's also, at the door, uh, he's also real nude. So, oh yeah, fair amount of nudity. There's a guy named Clayton at the door, and uh, Tyranny is doing a piece for him, but he's here with bad news. Actually, one of this, um, these soft bodies got Bart. What? Tyranny's sad. She kind of complains. She just wanted to bring art to the street and away from the bourgeoisie. Second wow. bourgeoisie this episode. Right. Um, and this is the thanks she gets. And some guy puts <laughs> a hand on her shoulder. She's like, move your hand. Yeah, she uh, is. I am not to be touched. Apparently, there's three others of these guys that she's made. And she intends to protect them. Who will help? Some guys she's worked with before. Okay. And we cut to a corpse lying on a beach as a uh, horse inner tube is being inflated. It's cowboy psychic mercenaries fervent what? and lobe. <laughs> the last fuck? scene, yeah, they were last seen doctoring a psychic scan on Tyranny before she blew up Indigo Prime in the 1988 sci-fi special. So earlier uh. this year. Apparently, since they've been they've been lying low on a sweet beach world, but Bill Collective have caught up with them, so it's time to move on to a new place. Sure. I mean, you know, you kill one, you've, you're going to have to kill more, I guess. Well, once one's found you and you have to kill them, it means there's going to be more coming, you know? Yeah. Um, they did blow a hole their in home- his chest. That does not look like uh, you can put some Neosporin on that. No. Back at their hotel, the whole place has been shot up and everybody's been killed. They sort of yeah. walk through the wreckage as a poem by Dwayne Loeb is read in the narration. Mm. Fervent grabs a sweet fur coat as they walk through the, car- the carnage and, appro- and approach their room. Inside, Loeb faints. It's tyranny! Hey, how's it hanging? You know, chilling out. Yeah, like, thanks for shooting up this entire hotel, tyranny Rex? Question mark? You're, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> a, a cyborg next of a, a cyborg is squid squadging down a muddy street pursued by tyranny fervent and lobe his name is morris and tyranny calls out to him as the guys try to shoot him with psychic six shooters oh god <laughs> they miss and morris suddenly explodes into a cloud of blood and grossness oh god why i don't know later tyranny's is yelling at them <laughs> as they complain about tyranny Turning them over to their debt collectors and being pursued by zone throwers. 
Apparently, all these dudes were body colon sculptures from Tyranny's soft bodies exhibit. Okay. And we there was a little bit, a slight mention of the soft bodies exhibit in the sci-fi special. And here's my guess about what it is, Fox. Okay. So I'm guessing that the soft bodies exhibit is a play on the concept of boneless animals still being able to move without skeletons for their muscles to pull on. Um, okay. These things are called soft bodies, the, their ability to do this. And so I'm thinking that we're having a play on that by then adding exoskeletons to human bodies, making like, you know, sort of saying that, ah, oh, yes, these robots are the real, like, uh, harder bodies. And even we humans with our stupid bones are still soft bodies. Mm. 100% a guess. I don't know. Yeah, um, this is a yeah, weird one. Two of them are left alive now. Um Tyranny and Fervent and Loeb look for Wilson, or Tyranny has Fervent and Loeb look for Wilson, or a guy named Wilson, while she goes to talk to a guy named Kyle, who she's already found. He's in a hospital bed, and Tyranny finds him while dressed in a sweet nurse uniform. And he is looking real gross. And I don't know what they're talking about here, but she says that they made him do it, or they, or they, or they, 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 they've done something. But Tyranny just says he used to be an award-winning masterpiece, and yeah. this, kill, you know, it's, it, it's harder for her than it is for him. And then she kills him. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's weird. Meanwhile, fervent is dancing with the lady at a party while Loeb yeah. looks on, asking if they can go. And when he gets attacked by a tiny dog, he throttles it, and it's apparently owned by the lady fervent is dancing with. <laughs> Not great. Yeah, suddenly a dude bursts in, shooting up the place. Well, Tyranny arrives okay. on the scene as bodies are being wheeled away, and it seems the boys have finally tracked down the final soft body, Wilson, to Aquatraz, a maximum security prison which holds the Gantzman triad, all that's left of the Joy Divisionaries, which is a pretty so fun. Uh, why did uh, that guy shoot up joke. an entire room of people dancing? Don't worry about it. It's on to Freelders were at the bottom of a sea, <laughs> six miles deep, and that's where they're going. All right. So, Tyranny is buying a ridiculous amount of explosives and diving supplies. Um, and it's just kind of general banter as they fly away and the store explodes behind them. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because, they, well, they covered the entire store in, ex- in high explosives. Right. To cover the tracks, they bought the scuba gear, I think is what actually oh, happened. God. Yeah. So, we see a scene intercut between one of the guys, I'm thinking Loeb, um, freaking out because he drowned to death when he was a kid. Oh, and God. then the as he does that, the group is swimming deep underwater using mind-controlled fish to explode mines and take out security devices. Man, poor fish. You know, they knew what they were signing on for. The security <laughs> guys are goofing around when Tyranny bursts through the wall. They find Wilson's cell and Tyranny makes her way to it, accidentally releasing some other space prisoners as they go. Oh, sure. Yeah. They found Wilson. He's pretty crazy, but he just wants to be left alone and is clearly killed and killed uh, to eat at least one person, I think. Yeah. Not clear here. Uh, They make their way back to a mini sub with him and they all squeeze in and take off. Won't all those other prisoners drown? Nope, because we're blowing the place up. (laughs) (laughs) Good way to cover your tracks, uh, I guess, by exploding a a space prison or sorry, a, a water prison. Deep I mean, underwater prison. It's a deep sea space prison. Mm-hmm. Like, it's on another planet and stuff. You know, it's got a couple qualifiers. Later at the Manson Animal Welfare Foundation, oh, Charity Rex up. Yeah, blows a hole in the wall. And with a sweet little girl holding her hand, walks in with a sweet little girl holding her hand. Lucretia. It's apparently, yeah, this douchebag behind the desk's daughter, Lucretia. <laughs> and she's pretty angry with him. And Charity tosses some neuro cuffs onto his thumbs. Thumbs of Mr. Oh, Merrick, God. he's called. 
and they deliver a post-charge to his nervous system and generally seems pretty painful. Yeah, it does not seem like he's doing well right now. I do like that there's posters for, like, Save the Blimps, which are presumably those razor blimps that uh, are yeah. that oh, are tyranny, blimps, man. tyranny they just nuked eat previously. Yeah, but they're, like, they've, like, drawn them to have, like, nice faces and stuff like that. Yeah. It's clearly pro-razor blimp propaganda and stuff. So strange. <laughs> but it seems this Animal Liberation Front is cover for an art sharking ring. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her, his daughter turned him in because she, she needs positive role because mo- she knows she needs positive role models in her life. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, Tyranny gets Merrick to set up his boss, who turns out to be art critic Claude Debocal. Oh, Tyranny paints as Loeb seems to be questioning Wilson by like literally semi-psychically entering his body. Yeah, like, I don't understand what is going on here. It's real yeah. gross, and he's covered in goo. Like he's like like Wilson is like suspended from the ceiling by ropes, and Wilson is and and, and a lobe is using his psychic powers to somehow like just press his body into his into Wilson's body. Yeah, and there's a lot of goop involved as well. It's it's not great. I, it doesn't. Uh, I I just don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> it feel like this feels like a like I mean because these guys are psychic. This feels like a type of. Uh, yeah. Of like faith healing, have you said? Have you ever seen like videos of that where like apparently mm. this guy uses psychic powers to like actually like re re like without using like uh, knives or anything to reach into someone's body and like pull out a cancer tumor or something like that? No, it's big like sort of uh, psychic quackery. Like usually it's like chicken guts and sleight of hand yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. But um, in this case, they're just jamming in there trying to get him to to give information. I guess sure. But, yeah, so that's not great. Yeah, again, deeply disturbing. Yeah. Again, it comes down to Tyranny just telling Wilson to submit, and they're in. In Wilson's brain, they see a robot picking a box off a pile with Wilson inside and being brought before a pair of those armored killer robot guys, I guess, and a very foppish man. Yeah, probably that art critic, I guess. Seems like it. Anyway, now they just have to get Tyranny inside. I think they've got Next time. There. Yeah, next time. And heavy on the ketchup? And I, and I should say, um, so far, all of the next times on, on, on this Tyranny Rex story has been the first words of the next issue of, of, of the story. Just FYI. Oh, okay. Cool. So, like, there was one where it's like, next time, Squidge Squatch. And that was the sound of the cyborg's feet uh, as they ran through the mud and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Cool. Anyway. Um, Tyranny Rex will return in Prague 604. So, not next episode, but the one after that. Um, but in Prague 599, I should say there's a pretty nice Tyranny Rex pinup yeah. for dragging some weird dude with a mouth and ear going out of his shoulder through Ugh. a dirty kitchen, swinging a chain. And while the art here is by Will Simpson, there are boxes on the floor that, that are marked like a soft Hinklinton and yeah, soft, soft Bisley. Bisley. Yeah. Handle with care. Sort of calling out other authors, artists, I guess. It's pretty great. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, list like this is sort of what I feel like when we first met Tyranny Rex, I kind of mentioned mm. that um, it got very confused. It, it, you know, it eventually got got very confusing. <laughs> we're, and we're pretty much entering this era right now. Oh, you the know? very confusing time where it's just kind of like one. There's sort of characters you're supposed to know from these uh, sci-fi special, which I know the first time I hadn't read, so it very much came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. And just a bunch of other stuff like that. Like it's, um, you know, it's just like I, I wish there had been like I wish there was just more exposition, you know? Yeah, almost. I Well, 
helpful exposition, right? Like, I find that there was just a lot of words, but none of them ended up meaning anything. Yeah, right? well, it, it, exactly. Like, I feel like we've complained about comics having in- info dumps in the past. Yeah. And this story is very much ant- the, like, like the anti-info dump. Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't explain what the soft bodies are. It doesn't explain, like, what's been done to these guys or why it's bad or why Tyranny's angry. Like, why – even why she kills that one guy in the hospital bad. It's yeah. not clear – like what he's done, like what they're supposed to be doing, like what it means by the art <laughs> she's been doing, what art well, sharking really means, all this kind of other stuff. You can kind of put it together from context and if you kind of yeah. know what's going on, but it doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not setting out to be easy to understand is what I'm trying to say. No. And I don't, I, is that on purpose? Because that seems, that is, that is as bad to me, right? Like it's on the other side of the spectrum in that case. Um, I mean, I feel like it's 100%. Like, this feels like what Smith is trying to do, you know? So, yeah. And so I feel like, honestly, I, I, I wonder how much, like, the confusion you and I might, might be feeling. Like, if he heard us talking about it, he would be, like, fist pumping. Like, yes, they yes. don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe. I hope that's what he wants. I wish it wasn't what I read. I mean, I'll say that, like, I just, like, honestly, I do kind of like just the what the hell is going on-ness of this. Sure. Sometimes, like, I can, I, like, I can definitely warm up to that. Like, I think that can be kind of fun. Um, Look, psychic and, gooing into someone's body, I'm fine with that shit. Yeah. Not and, like, knowing uh, what the fuck is going on, though, is, at, like, for the whole period. <laughs> and, like, I really like Will Simpson's art here as well. Like, he does oh, a really yeah, great yeah. job of, um... Of just bringing these characters to life and having them be real crazy and stuff like that. I think that's really amazing. Mm. Yeah. So, and uh, hey, speaking of Will Simpson, you know, why not? Hey. Um, let's continue on to Thrill 4, Judge Dredd. Oh, man. You know, uh, <laughs> if you're coming from anywhere south of the border, you just take sombreros and you just supersize them. And that's how you know someone's from Southern America or Central America. <laughs> oh, my. Um, yeah, just a, 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 a bunch of one shots here. Um, yeah, good one shots. S- script robots, John Wagner and Alan Grant. Art <coughs> robots, Will Simpson, Chris Winston, Judge Ridway and BT Perkins. Lee, uh, and Liam Sharp and Lenny Robot, Tom Frame. Oh, yeah, baby. So, Will Simpson is on art as Dredd is working customs at the Mega City One Hoverport. 52% of travelers are, of all travelers are smuggling. We see sniffer bots <laughs> finding sh- uh, sugar strapped to legs. A lady smuggling a puma just does a wrap on her back. It's That's pretty excellent. So, it's so ridiculous. And he just pistol whips that thing, man. And one large fellow, Manuel Gear Shift of the Andean Cur- uh, Conurb, is yeah. here for a holiday. But Dread is suspicious. I mean, has, they really go in on this dude. Yeah. He has Manuel strip, strip searched. And when they don't find anything, it's time for the old exploratory surgery. Oh, God. The just other judges stick a needle bad, in your yeah. butt. And now it's time to just start opening you up. And Jesus, it's graphic. Yeah. Um, the, ju- the other judges are, are skeptical at first. But when they cut into him, they soon find Pater. He's got a fake skin with a gallon of blood in between it and his real skin. Jeez, man. They keep digging and find two extra hearts, six ki- two extra hearts, six kidneys, three livers, two <laughs> sets of lungs, a windpipe, and 28 meters of large intestine. Jeez, man. 
when he comes back when he comes back around take him to interrogation and see if his mind is hiding as much as his body god i just <laughs> i did not see where this was going but like this is the grossest form i've ever seen it ever take it's real gross it's full of, full of bits buddy it's no good yeah um, man Next up, it's uh, Chris Weston's on art. I believe his first time in the Prague. And yowza, yowza, Billy Stoop Circus is in town. Step oh right up. But suddenly, Ju- Dredd and some other judges are rolling in. He busts the carnival barker for being just over 85 <laughs> decibels. The sound of an idling bulldozer. That's 60 six, days, creep. Yeah, that's 60 days in the cubes, baby. And then it's time for a goddamn blitz. Yeah, crime blitz is on. They find real sugar in the candy floss. Oh, that's a bad one. Make an addict. Yeah, growth hormone and the fat lady. The strong man's a robot. Oh, my God. This place is a sham. They nab the flea circus guy for animal cruelty and the bearded family for their faked beards. I should say when the <laughs> when the uh, when the robot when the strong man's re- revealed to be a robot, he like goes to attack them. Oh, and they yeah. shoot. They shoot the crossbar of the giant barbell he's carrying and it splits in half and smashes, <laughs> smashes his head. Like, head. like just f- both sides just fall down on his hands and smash into his head. It's pretty awesome. My, my favorite um, was with the with the flea circus. He's like, what do you mean animal cruelty? Like, they're not animals, they're fleas. And Judge Dredd's just like, don't make this worse on yourself, man. Yeah, you're messing up, buddy. Uh, they they expose the invisible man for wheel, for wearing an invisibility field generator and throw paint on him, hit him with fraud. No. Uh, <laughs> my favorite is when they arrest the fire eater for fire oh, breathing. That's good yeah. technicality. <laughs> it's not fire eating, that's fire yeah. breathing. Two years. To- two totally different licenses, my dude. Uh, an animal beast tamer is arrested for not having licenses. They kick everybody out. Or collars. Yeah, and they threaten guests looking for a refund with a charge of contributing to a conspiracy. Which is fucking amazing. The only survivor, the only person not arrested is a clown who almost gets run in for smiling, but that's just painted on. He's real sad because everybody he knows has just been arrested. Oh my God. He's just the (laughs) only one. It's really great. Um, so next up, John Ridgway and BT oh, Perkins geez. are on art as all the great and good in Mega City One line up to see the new show, I, I, 3001, 3001 a Space Opera. <laughs> Woo! A fancy lad in a roughly cravat uh, steals someone's ticket and runs to the door, dreads in pursuit. Well, so I love the posters on this because it's uh, Karma Miranda as Space Girl Janet and the Great Tombola as the alien. <laughs> I mean, it's really their lines it's really, in this are fucking fantastic. It's pretty solid, just because, like, you know, it's two thousand and one. At least tries to take itself seriously and stuff, and this is just the silliestest thing ever. Oh, it's, it's great. real bad. It's just bad. Um, so the perp punches past a guard and we do actually see the show as an alien serenade to space lady tied to a post. Oh. He thinks about the malodorous sweat glands their children will have. Oh, it's um, so good. As the perp and dread noises off their way through the theater. It's a good goddamn noises off. That's solid. So anyway, wonderful. In the process, they start knocking over sets and the perps takes the and, and the perp takes the soprano hostage. But everyone keeps singing, and this play is getting very surreal. <laughs> <laughs> Exquisite, Bruce. 
<laughs> Dredd has lost his gun, but the boot knife is, of course, always oh, an option. Oh, my God, yes. I forgot that he fucking did it with the boot knife, and he didn't kill him with the boot knife, man. No, the blade misses. It cuts a stage rope that wraps around the fat lady's leg, and, you know, drops a sandbag and pulls her into the rafters. The show ends, and the perp gets five years, and as always in Mecha City 1, Fox... It's it's so. never over until the fat lady swings. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. What are we doing here? Anyway. Uh, it's really like grade A material, guys. Next up, Chris Weston's back on art, but because oh, he's a newbie, fantastic. he's credited incorrectly as Colin Wilson. Oh, no. Come on. Chester Watt is a kid from the Abe Angus block on a class trip to the mega disposal unit. Or Mega Garbage Disposal Unit. Which is awesome. It's pretty cool. He narrates his trip and explains that he's an an upstanding and studious young person, which seems to be at odds with the juvenile delinquent we see him, (laughs) see his actions is in the comic. I mean, my favorite is that he did a spray paint that just says garbage stinks. That's pretty good, I think. (laughs) I mean, you you can't call him a liar, Fox. Um we learned that we learned that this plant is ten years old and processes fifty million tons of garbage a year. Jesus God! Yeah, it's all ground down along with cla- cra- class nerd snood stuff, sterilized and then taken, then sent to the chewing vats where it's fed oh. to the omnivorous greater fang worm. Man, let me tell you something. So the fang worm, cool idea, all of that. Um, the worst part, however, is why did they need feel the need to draw on nipples? Why why, why wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, listen, we can't guess aliens, all right? These things are giant earthworms. They got eyes and giant teeth, and I think they look kind of friendly. Actually, they look uh, very yeah, friendly. Very big nice. Smile with their big on. smiles. Yeah, yeah. They, there's about twenty million of them all told in this thing, Just and they writhing eat. in a mass, eating garbage. Yep, and they poop it all out, and it's not. And they well, well, they poop out something. It's not clear, but whatever it is, it's, it's definitely better than garbage. edible. Yeah, it's it's edible and highly and highly nutritional, which yeah. is what we hear from the tour guide. Just need to throw some flavoring on it, right? But Chester has left the tour and forces Snood to hang off the side of the catwalk and grab a worm for him. I mean, I feel like this could only end one way. Yep. The uh, the teacher, Mrs. Mr. Kenbake, interrupts them and Chester drops Snood into the worms. In a panic, Chester also pushes his teacher in, but Kenbake uh, breaks a cross pipe as he does and destroys the worm containment system. Oh, and suddenly good. they're everywhere eating everybody. Except for the kid, who seems to have strangely survived, watching and smiling. He's up on the high ground, cheering those worms on. I have the high ground! <laughs> Dread arrives on the scene, drops some high X, and calls for a bio-squad to handle all these worms. He saves Chester, and they ride off. And I guess later Chester wrote this story, but the Justice Department lie detectors, uh, you know, check it out. And he yeah. still sent him to Juve Cube 47. Man, I love the look of this thing because it's just a bunch of spotlights on a tower that is crested with a giant judge helmet. <laughs> yeah. Juve Cube 47. Spug those lie detectors. And you'll note that uh, some of the graffiti in his uh, jail cell says Chopper, Chopper was, was here. here. It's pretty solid. Um, Dread finally. is a pig. <laughs> Finally, Liam Sharp is on art and speaking Yay. of Juve Cubes, Yay. it's been an episode, so let's check in on PJ Maybe, age 14. Hooray, PJ Maybe. <laughs> he's just turned 14 and his Uncle Fustus is, ab- is about to die. Yeah, he's got the gross pustules or whatever. 
Yeah, like the, one of those uh, pl- uh, cursed earth, like a black pox or something. Yeah, pussy plague or something. Yeah, right before PJ, right right before he does, PJ tells him the truth, and Fustus dies trying to finger PJ, but can't make oh. his his, uh, his words clear. And PJ instead uses this to make him look good to his parents. Oh. Dread swings by to question them, and the whole thing is incredibly suspicious. Um, <laughs> but no one's thinking it's the dumb kid who's just nah. making finger slingshots. Doing a cat's cradle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Maybe are taken to the station for hard questioning, and uh, on his own, PJ goes to hang out at the Juve Club, where he tries hey. to talk to the lovely Liana. Well, but hello. Told off. Yeah, but is told off by her, big, by her boyfriend, a big buff sky surfer named yeah. Rodney. The fuck is going on with this dude's look, man? You know, he's very mega citizen. Yeah. You know, he's got like a big surfing jumper kind of thing going on. Um, I mean, a midriff bearing fucking. I, I just, it's, it's so solid. weird. Yeah. He uh, he dangles PJ off the side of the rooftop and Liana says she's not interested in him. But PJ knows she'll think differently when he's rich. Well, it's it's like she's, you know, she said like, listen, you're cute, but you know, you're a kid. You got to get it through your head. I'm not interested. You know, she doesn't want yeah. him hurt. She wanted him not to get turned off the edge. Yeah, that's why PJ still stays obsessed with her because he's a weird, you know, kind of yeah, not cool dude. I mean, he's a weird, cruel, horrible person. Mass Who's murderer. Also yes. Yeah. yeah. Killed at least ten people at this point. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, he is worried that his admission that like he'll soon be rich might be suspicious, but he's not super worried about it because everybody's pretty dumb. Um, yep. Anyway, Rudney's definitely on PJ's shit list. That's for sure. <laughs> to, I mean, it's it's pretty much tied up with a bow here in a moment. Yeah. The maybes are back home and pretty angry, but PJ tries to get them to be philosophical about it. Back at HQ, Dredd finds this whole thing super fishy, man. He wonders if PJ could be could be behind it all. But mm. another judge defenses like, – like dismisses that as pretty far-fetched, frankly. Yeah, dude. The yeses are all stuffed and put in the company lobby, and the maybes are rich, including PJ, who gets 20,000 credits in his cousin nice. Wilbur's classic cover pod collection. Nice. Epilogue time, Rudney is soon struck by lightning while wearing <laughs> snazzy copper foil surf pants, which Oof. Mr. Maybe had been designing, and PJ goes for a ride with Liana to comfort her in a sweet hover car. And I mean, it seems like she's getting uh, over it just fine. Yeah. We've had a ton of PJ maybe recently, but he, he won't I be back swear. for a little while now. We'll Aww. see him next in June of next year. Okay. Well, yes. listen, like we can't do – like this has been a lot. Like because the thing about PJ maybe is this is a slow burn. Like, yeah. You know, like on, like we got uh, – as, as much as um, Dread and Death are like the, the marquee feud in this, this year, is, Rogue's this Gallery. This is the deep one. This is the one where you got, like, you know, there's a lot of swings and roundabouts in this one, for sure. Oh, man. Exciting. Yeah. Definitely. Speaking of things that may be less exciting, Fox. Oh. Non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. Yay. I like uh, I like the cover for four ninety five or five ninety five. <laughs> yeah. I see a black sun a-dawning. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like a pale <laughs> Don't go out tonight. About. Exactly. Yeah, it's cold. Um, and we're too late in a very awesome Zenith cover by Steve Yole. In the Nerve Center, Tharg takes sole responsibility for the re- current relentless yeah. pace of 2000 AD. 
It's a, pretty. It's a pretty intense pace. Yeah, there's a picture of a Mega City One, Britsit, and Oz Judge, brothers in mm-hmm. arms, and Citizen Snorkamata. Oh God, I'd forgotten about Snork, and that is just the most gross thing. <laughs> How could you uh, make Torquemada look even more bizarrely gross? The Conqueror, which presumably means his nose uh, is going to be hit by a hazelnut, a uh, chestnut. I mean, don't at me. Um, Letters include a Londoner in the Caribbean complaining about a lack of 2000 AD. Big thrill, you know, he wants to bring thrill power to Barbados. Come on, man. Yeah. Mid-Prog, there's a contest to win 25 prints of a Brian Bolland Judge Dredd, as well as a Brett Ewan's Kano. And the prog ends um, with with an ad for a run-and-gun video game called Fernandez Must Die. Yeah. That's a pretty cool name for a game. That's like a fucking great name for a game man it doesn't look too bad it's one of those like top down kind of uh like like not twin stick but sort of pre-twin stick shooters you mm-hmm. know um like parts of bionic commando is what i thought yeah. I, I got from the videos um so anyway 596 shows over creeps <laughs> cliff so robinson good. draws dread using the using the 2080 logo as a red card he's like <laughs> holding holding it up with his fingers i like honestly every time i see this i don't quite get the dreads holding the card yeah i thought he was like capiche <laughs> yeah he's doing like kind of kind of like 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 french or italian hand gestures as he's talking you know um, just really frowning while he does it too ab- well of course it's it's a cliff robinson dread like it's gonna be <laughs> frowning um in the nerve center thark tells us 2000 ideas recently been on the tv show network seven there's okay. pictures of a beetlejuice and beetlejuice okay <laughs> pretty good and a very nice joe pineapples as an ace assassin yeah that's really um, good yeah a new reader asks how old dread is and dark confirms that mega city one is set 122 years in the future dread was born in 2060 so he's currently 50 years old which is nice Jeez. um another letter feels um uh Talks about a connection to Back to Front – or has a personal connection to Back to Front Jones and requests some Simon Bisley artwork. Yeah, buddy. We all like some. Yeah, come on. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, meanwhile, it seems that Prog 590 wasn't distributed to Nottingham and they're holding oh. Sarjaz aid to buy back issues for everybody, which I think is pretty funny. Wow. Um, and then mid-prog, there's ads for silkscreen prints of 2080 art, individually numbered and signed by Ooh. creators, and sold by uh, Tom Frame, who clearly also lettered the ad, which I think is crazy. Like, yeah, it looks uh, great. Like, it's a side hustle by Tom Frame himself. I actually went on some Facebook groups and talked to folks about this. Um, mm-hmm. And so, it seems like you could buy directly from from Frame for like seven pounds, Whoa. and you get like a color a color poster. Like 18 by 22 inches, basically. That's pretty um, great. Yeah. And as well as um, – apparently, th- there there might have been some printing problems with them, sadly. But um, no. it, they were apparently widely distributed because as well as buying them directly from frame, I got a lot of people talking about buying them from like comic book shops like for years afterwards. Oh, my. Sort of so, people these, like, just like bought a shitload of them from him, huh? Well, yeah, man. I mean, I think we all love this 2080 yeah, art, yeah. A, like that badass, like a Glenn Fabry Slane or something like that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, some 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 Simon Bisley, um, JVC Warriors stuff. Like that's good. That's good <sighs> for your uh, like 18 year old wall, man. You got to get that's, that stuff. That's so great. 
Um, then the prog ends with the star scan of Judge Anderson by Ian it's Gibson. Amazing! All these Ian Gibson pinups are so nuts. He just goes crazy. <laughs> She's in full, like broken back lady stance, you know, with a so you can see all her all her lady parts and just her with gigantic shoulder, um, elbow and knee pads. They're just huge, I, I really, huge just wings coming off. Her. Is just massive. Definitely, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. So, Prog 597, Tyranny Rex looking well art And this cover by Jim McCarthy with uh, Tyranny and some other guy who I'm not clear on uh, in front of yeah. a yellow and blue background. Um, the Nerve Center mentions the free preview comic of the new magazine, Wildcat. Oh, yeah. It comes with 597. Uh, just so you know, uh, Wildcat ran for only 12 issues, but it was, a, it was a fortnightly, so every two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But does have, have a pretty decent pedigree of artists and writers. And I thought it was kind of interesting because it's like it's 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 your normal anthology comic, but it's all different people who are crew members of this ship, the Wildcat, um, that go out on missions, basically. Hmm. And we'll see pretty much all of them: uh, Turbo Jones, Loner, Kit McGee, Kit McGee, Whoa. and Joe Alien. Will Joe all be, Alien. That's right. They'll all be folded into Eagle for those uh, for those Kiwi boys. Uh, oh, awesome! With, with, with where Eagles dare. But probably not for a few years for them. But, you know, whatever. Soon enough, as always, we move forward. Um, There's pictures of Fungus, the Rogi Man, and Torka Otter. Torka Otter is so cute. Uh, Letters include the slandering of the town of Bradford in Prog 589. Like, what are you doing, man? Metallica is performing here in September. Give us a break. Wow. Uh, someone's read Prague to, uh, sorry, read 2018 in a submarine, and someone else has noticed Whoa. that Joe Pineapples is a fan of The Doors. Yeah, who's not? Yeah, mid Prague, there's an ad for the first uh, for the first two of the five Judge Red paperbacks that uh, Titan will be putting out. These big collections of uh, of comics. Prague 598. Oh man, I just want to say, like, I you know, I've tr- recently I've been trying to arrange these episodes. So we'd always do four. Um, and so, but every once in a while, there's a year with five, with a 53 Mondays, and we got these five problems, yeah. and they just are, they um, destroy me. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot five, of content, man. Especially when we're just talking covers and stuff here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Prog 598 hit four is underway as Steve Dillon draws a very indigotiated Rogue Trooper. Yeah, man. That, I really like that blue color. Yeah. In the Nerve Center, we learned the quacks and proverb. Oh, that's a funny old galaxy. And then Dark mm. generally insults Earth. Uh, <laughs> Great. There's a pic- picture of a Judge Desperate Dan and a Nocturnal Dread in a sweet zippery Ooh. jacket. Letters insult other letter writers, have extreme Scottish accents, and compliment the Birmingham Comic Con. Mid-Prog, there's more of Steve Keaton's vids page announcing new VHS oh, yeah. releases, including RoboCop, E.T., Predator, The Lost Boys, Spaceballs, and Monster Squad, as well as uh, Star Trek II, The Thing, and Silent Running all being discounted, and Sony trying to sell a video Walkman, always oh, the dream of God. that portable TV setup. But I think never, we all know that. Never a good idea. Unless it's attached to a phone, my friend, then it's got uh, that's then, true. then it's got legs, I guess. <laughs> well, Prog you don't five. have to. God, I remember like my buddy had one of the ones that you know the ones that look like those big flashlights, but it's just yeah. a tube, and then you have to like uh, you have the yeah, antenna yeah, at the top, yeah, screens in one end, yeah, definitely. He used to like like sit out. His dad used to sit out in the garage and smoke cigarettes, drink beer, and watch Mash on that. <laughs> Solid, <laughs> like Jesus, yeah, that... buddy. I gotta Living say, the dream, that, huh? yeah, 
all those portable TVs makes um, seem like they're for someone who has been forced, has been exiled from watching TV with the rest of the family, you know? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Frog 599, Jim McCarthy draws a very Jim Sterenko-y uh, k- kind of zenith. Yeah. He's got a date pretty with fate in 68. Yeah. Uh, and apparently got to sleep with your clone mom. Hey, hey. And this is yet another uh, non-Yoel Zenith cover. You know? Um, in the nerve center, Tharg warns about not blowing yourself up on Guy Fawkes Day, because we're at that time of year. Oh, yeah. There's a picture of a Strontium Sprog and DJ Dread. Pretty rad. Uh, yeah. Letters call out PJ Maybe, known murderer for reading illegal comics. Um, and these boots are were made for walking is identified as being written by cowboy psychedelia artist Lee Hazelwood. What? And – it's true, and there's a suggestion to listen to more classic rock, like or sorry, to more classical music, like Edward Varese's uh, uh, Hyperprism, which is a pretty okay. badass song. Although I do think that it is one of those things where, uh, if you wanted to critique a music for just being a lot of sounds, this one <laughs> definitely is also that. You know, Hyperprism, huh? Yeah. Okay. Now we'll check I, that I, out. I, 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 that could be a mistype, and my spell checkers spelled it differently, so I, I apologize for that if I got it wrong. Probably did. Um, anyway, the prog ends with a pinup of Tharg the Mighty walking through space with a ghostly image of Jim, of, uh, Jim McCarthy himself looking on. And thanks to the many people in both 1977 to 2008 and the 2008 Megaverse Facebook groups for who confirmed this to me made me feel pretty dumb for asking. Oh, man. <laughs> Like, that's just Jim McCarthy, mate. Like, oh, man, you're right. I just got to get out of here. I um, wouldn't have known. <laughs> exa- yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, trying to in- I'm trying to educate you, buddy. We gotta See, get, get I this got to get this going. See, I got learned. We turned exactly. up the learned. Yeah, and speaking of learning things about ourselves and others, Fox. Oh. <laughs> Thrill 5, Chopper. There is the silver lining amongst all of this, my man. Fun stuff here with this Chopper. Uh, script by John Wagner, art by Colin McNeil, letting robot Tom Frame. Oh, uh, yeah, boy. We get a we get a double frame? L- listen, he's doing a lot of stuff in here, actually. Like, he, he's doing a ton of lettering. Oh, actually, no, now, that I, now that I, yeah, I think he's actually started doing a majority of the lettering, hasn't he? Hard-working lettering, you know? But this might be just for this period, actually. Like, again, we're sort of seeing ebbs and flows of people doing different things. Mm. Um, but, uh, or... Or maybe he just like suddenly needs a lot of money. That's why he's also selling art yeah. prints, you know? Like that's one hundred percent an asshole thing to say, and I hope it's not true. But you know, it is yeah, an interesting no. detail. Um, anyway, he's not hurting for cash. I love you, Framey. Seriously, yeah. Rest in peace. Um, Chopper's back in Oz, trying to recreate the route from Super Surf Ten. While he's managed to make a version of it. You know, doing it on his own is real easy. Time travels are just different from races that anybody who's yeah. ever played Gran Turismo can tell you. Or Mario Kart, for that matter. Or um, uh, Diddy Kong uh, Racing. Any number of things. He's beaten his time, but again, there's no point to it. You can't erase the past. He's mm. just not the best anymore. So time to head to the Harbor Night Mart, where That's your right. stink really makes people go, Oh, ooh, man, yeah, it's a shower. <laughs> Got that cartoon level of stink where you actually can actually see the smells coming off of him. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> bad. He's just getting some stuff for his buddy Smokey uh, and some Nittner shampoo for himself. Though, um, you know, he doesn't have enough money, sadly, so he gets rid of that she- of the of the light shampoo when he realizes that. Yeah, Suddenly, pretty, somebody notices him, and folks start treating him better. He gets some free snaggers, which is Australian for sausages, and he flies Ooh. off into the night. 
Uh, he flies by a party on a penthouse, but when he loiters around, uh, you know, giving them Sheila's the Jimmy Brits. Um, what? What the f- <laughs> That's right. One of the party uh, goers flies off to confront him. It's Chuck McKenzie! Oh, what up, Jug? What up, Chuck? Yeah. The two guys shake hands and Jug invites Chopper down for a shower and a chance to meet a cool lady and fan named Charlene. Hey, and you know what? Uh, just as long – I mean, they're, they basically tell tells his butler to burn his clothes – the only thing he wants to save is the knee pads. Those handmade Viper knee pads that he made. Yeah, dude. Chopper doesn't care about ladies, though, because he's forming an idea. Mm. Him being Jug is more than a coincidence. It's fate. <laughs> the next morning, Chopper's explaining his plan to judge to Jug while eating a big breakfast. And I, I want to mention in the previous prog, someone said Chopper looked hungry enough to eat a low-flying duck, which I think is a pretty cool <laughs> turn of phrase. <laughs> He wants to re-race uh. Super Surf's 10 to prove he's the better man. And Judge, Jug seems basically amenable to it. They ride out to like, race sure. it. I mean, it is pre- it is kind of an insulting thing to ask. Like, listen, yeah. I need to prove that I can beat you. Like, why would I want to do that anyway? Like, yeah. You know. And, you know, the whole time he's just drinking beer and making jokes and stuff like that. Because, you know. We haven't seen Jug without a beer in his hand basically since Super Surf Ted, although he's appeared in several stories. That is actually very true. He That man is always drinking. Living it up. Um, so they, uh, they, they write out at midnight, uh, as Charlene and Chopper's girlfriend look on. I, 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 I couldn't figure out her name. Uh, they, they work out the new routes and we see, as we do, we see like that, uh, gasoline alley has been rebuilt as sort of a parking garage and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they're not going to set that shit back on fire. Nah. Uh, Charlene admires Chopper intensity as Chopper explains that he's taking this extremely seriously, so don't mess around. Yeah, but, you know... They wait for the midnight siren as Chopper reflects that this is his time. Um, be, you know, midnight's his time, be it wall scrawling or midnight surfing or whatever else. He is it's the always, midnight surfer, man. Yeah, there's always another challenge for him. His soul on fire. Which is the Ooh. title of this story. The horn blares and they ride out. Buzzing townsfolk as they go. They near the opera house and Chopper's way ahead. Too far ahead, frankly. He's getting pretty angry about it. Like you see him like panels him like looking over his shoulder at jugging further and further away. And he's like yeah. frowning real big about it and stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like what's going on with you, man? Yeah, he turns around and yells at Jug, saying he's not crying, and Chopper punches Jug in the face and says he's all talk, all show. Jeez, buddy. Um, and Jug's had enough. He's going to show Chopper once and for all and zooms off, and now they're real racing because there's spite involved on both sides, finally. Fuck yeah, man. Now it's time for a god darn freaking race, baby. Always. The two are racing, and while Jug's ahead, Chopper's just biding his time. They're at the fun fair, blasting through the Dodgems or bumper cars. Now this alive and pretty bumping rad. instead of being stationary. Yeah, this is sort of a minor part of their previous run, but now it's a big, scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ch- uh, folks notice as Chopper leads into the water slide, and they both come out smoothly this time. You know, that's where they both crashed last time. Mm-hmm. They head on as Chopper increases his lead. It seems Jug isn't up for risking it all. You know, he's got no guts. Chopper's ten, ten lengths ahead as they arrive at Space World, but the doors are closed. And you know what? He's just going to chance it anyway. Yeah, they suddenly open and let folks out. Chopper streaks in, but Jug's, Jug's caught up a lot of the distance. Mm-hmm. They blast through the stars, out the e- e- entrance, 
and uh, accelerate through the support beams of the gasoline alley construction site. It's pretty rad. Chopper's through and wins. Oh, my God. The racers shake hands, and now the score is tied at one each. And maybe they'll have a decider someday. Yeah, why not? It seems like everything's in good fun now. Just shaking hands and everyone being okay with each other. Yeah, it seems that uh, Charlene's really digging this chopper guy. Yeah. He can't stick around. He's got to bring stuff out to Smokey. Yeah, man. She she cries and begs Chopper to stay with her, but he can't. So instead, she gives him a poncho, and he rides off into the moonrise. Super Surf 11, mate! Man, it's gonna... It's gonna be interesting. I like their I like their little thing. She's like, just come back and visit me sometime. Yeah. Maybe I will. Chopper will return and head to Mega City 2 for Super Surf 11. Oh, in, that's what I fucking like to hear, bud. Yeah, in November of 1989 for the songs for the for the story Song of the Surfer. Song of the Surf? Song of the Surfer. Okay. I was like, Jesus, that's getting really close to a kind of racy film. I mean, it's probably still a reference to that, for the record. Oh, that's <laughs> probably fair. All right. Hey, and speaking of epic tales, Fox. Oh, yeah. Thrill 6, Rogue Trooper. We're finally back on the freaking trail. Uh, script robot Simon Geller, art robot Steve Dillon, letter robot Tom Frank. Mm-hmm. The chips are telling the story of Hit 3. <laughs> To to this not Venus Blue Jeans, who they are yeah. just really embellishing that story. Yeah, Rogue got tripped, tricked into looking into some kind of beam from a scientist and went blind like a real doofus. Luckily, he set Gunner to auto fire and it all worked out pretty much okay as Helm kept keep him calm and Bagman took out the rest of the baddies <laughs> with many minds. Really, again, don't like how they call the baddies gooks just generally. Yeah. Um, anyway. Eventually, Rogue came to and shot this final dude, no big deal. And we see the semi-hologram Venus Blue Jean very much enjoying this tale, but Rogue yeah. is less impressed. <laughs> it's really just, uh, God, I, it, he's, you even see him kind of ignoring the whole voting thing later, which I appreciate. Yeah. It seems like they could take on an army, and that's just what she had in mind. Mm. Great. Rogue's, yeah, Rogue's next target is the head of a breakaway faction from the North South or War, gathering deserters to wage a holy war. Ooh. Uh, but, okay. But the mission isn't just to kill the leader, it's to kill all these jerks. Oh, great. Hit, hit four is the new moral army. Oh, my God. <laughs> its name's a reference to the uh, new model army formed by Parliament during the English Civil War in like the 17th, 17th century. Okay. Yeah, it seems Rogue and the Chips are still a democracy, I guess, because we see them vote for a basic plan. But the plan's I, I really just kind of... It's the right it's term. Kinda, yeah, like the plans kind of wander around and eventually they'll bump into them. You know, it's very much like the... Uh, <laughs> The uh, lev- the uh, power leveling in a in a role play game. I'm just going to walk in a circle and fight whatever shows up. You know, uh, yeah, get there exactly. eventually. Um, so yeah, uh, everyone everyone but Gunner votes for it, and they're off. As they wander through, they pass a Nord patrol that's being bombed by a Souther plane, but now it's coming at them as well. Oh God, how are we going to deal with this plane? Probably shoot it down. I imagine. Yeah, Rogue jumps to dodge the plane's missiles, but they're out of special anti-aircraft rounds, so Rogue <gasps> has to take it down the hard way by just sort of plinking it with his guns and stuff, <laughs> which seems like the easy way. Like, yeah. All right. Well, you know, it's a little harder, I guess. Uh, soon, Rogue bumps into the plane's target, some other Southers. They're deserters! <gasps> 
He goes to join them, looking for men with a cause, with faith, and they offer to let him join the New Moral Army because they're new recruits too. So, you know what? Let's get on our knees and, you know, just look in sort of a direction that's away from me and, you know, uh, pray, I guess. Yeah, something. He goes down (laughs) to pray. And uh, as Silas, the leader, leads that prayer, he then draws a gun on Rogue. <laughs> Just like has it right to the back of his head. Yeah. He's defiling scum, not human, and infidel. He almost and, uh, shoots. Yeah, but, but one of the sirens sh- shot through the fucking back of the head himself. It's awesome. <laughs> they start doing that that uh, OC song, you know. Oh, what you say. Exactly. Oh, you only meant well. Yeah, move on. Beautiful. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, but listen, he, 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 you can't kill Rogue. Rogue's a cool dude, man. Everybody knows it. Um, so, no time to talk, though, because now the real members of the New Moral Army are showing up with sweet glass head domes. And, and they're they here all to look the fucking same. <laughs> they're really like, uh, you know, got, got a similar look. Time to get recruiting. Yeah, man. I really I like their look comparatively. Yeah. I mean, this is a similar sort of advanced pressure suit look because I believe like, mm-hmm. like like the Trader General had a job, had a deal like this sort of mm-hmm. in his final moments as well. Um, but yeah, next time on Rogue Trooper, Hit 4 continues the NMA within. It's like the enemy within. Get the it? NMA. Dude, it's like NMA, enemy, NM, NMA, enemy. Uh, you don't get it. No. Nah. Um, <laughs> And on the topic of reliving past glories, Fox. Oh my God, Hoogie Paloogie, we're finally here. Drill Seven Max Normal. Oh, so great. I mean, we've definitely read this one in the past. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, Script about Alan Grant, art about robot Jose Casanova, slaying robot Steve Potter is Spotter. Um, just real great. This is another case of just uh, having some filler to to better clear the deck for six hundred. Yep, it's. Jose Casanova's Max Normal Action, this one first appeared in the 1983 Judge Dredd Annual, Mm -hmm. our episode 83, actually. It's a nice crossover there. This is the third Max Normal one of these annuals. It's always a lot of fun because Max has a great attitude about everything, even (laughs) in the war-wrecked streets of Mega City 1. I mean, yeah. Everything's been devastated after after a giant conflict with a now completely destroyed uh, Saab Blocks. Yeah, the Ricardo Montalban block is a wreck of rich Corinthian leather, and Max Normal still living his life, drinking champagne, <laughs> eating caviar-flavored synth pops, and you know, hanging out with his pinstriped dog. So great. But he's low on champagne. Time oh, to go nah. shopping. Gotta go poke around in some rubble and relive some past experiences. Yeah, he heads out in the ruins, grabs a few bottles from the moldering skeletons of his destroyed favorite bar. <laughs> you know, that's the thing, the drink with the zing, and reminisces oh, about it. happier days. Oh, man. Make it 20 and the game is go. Yeah, he arrives to find a bunch of block maniacs from the Shaken Stevens blocks catapulting boulders at the remains of Ricardo oh, Montalban. Don't don't catapult my place, man. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Max uh, destroys their war machine and escapes from the fu- from the gunfire of the maniacs, leading them straight into the arms of Judge Dredd and a, ju- and a force of judges. It's super great. I also I love because this won't be the only time he does it, but he's just swinging around with his umbrella. <laughs> yeah, with the with those uh, block warriors taken out, he just swings away on the rubble on his umbrella. Hoochie Paloochie! So 
wonderful, man. He's just such a treat. A lot of fun here, you know. Yeah. And maybe less fun, Thrill 8, Future Docs. Ah, it's not so bad. They got some kind of okay ones, I guess. Yeah. So first up, it's uh, number two, Lorinda. Script about Hillary Robinson, art robot Nigel Dobbin, lettering robot Gordon Robson is Kid Robson. Kind of conceptual one here. Yeah. A, a spaceman has been taken slave in an Arabian Nights kind of setting. He's dragged through the city and sees a pretty rich lady in a window. Um, mm-hmm. Occasionally, we also see some kind of computer prompt appearing on the page saying, like, question mark input that appears on the page, but the response is usually zero. Zero. Yeah, exactly. Um, the lady has a rich husband, but is intrigued by this strangely dressed slave. She goes to visit him at the market and eventually purchases it. Is him. He's clearly a U.S. astronaut. Yeah. And is on his way back to the lady's house when he trips on a rock and hits his head. Dying. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, they walk off as he wakes up from a VR kind of thing, and he scored 15% on a survival test because he got booty blinded by that lady. I mean, really, man? Yeah, you couldn't remember that they stuck nodes to your thing? Why were you there? Why do? You, why were you in a spacesuit? Spent so much time being Roy, you forgot about the high score, man. It's tough. Um, <laughs> a lot of Rick and Morty references this man, episode. I don't Roy, know. That's, that was one of the best fucking episodes, man. He's going off the, grid. You went, the difference between you and me is you went back to the carpet store. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, it's The Good Wife, script robot Stuart Edwards, art robot Kevin Walker, letter robot Johnny, Johnny Aldrich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man's being questioned, has been brought to question by the cops. Six months ago, he met and married the beautiful, the beautiful and rich Joanne. He thought he could Legit. dominate her and take her money. But wow. two weeks later, she was dominating him. He was like wearing a apron and getting dr- drinks for her guests and man, being forced to sleep on the Man, he's not feeling real good about this. He was yeah. real sassy and upset. So he concocted the perfect murder, which is to kill her and replace her with a fancy robot version. Seems pretty which, clear. Okay, guy. <laughs> But the cops pull him in because the re- manufacturer Robo Droids just re- recalled their droids for a dangerous bug in one of their models. Ooh. But not not Joanne, but the murderer himself, because Joanne replaced him with a robot version oh. three months ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we brought out the air horns. That's a good twist. You know, there's not been a ton of future shots, but yeah, this one's good because it's like, yeah, listen, we could we know if there's a defective model. It's you. Also, uh, and then the face just pops open immediately. It's the robot shock. Because they also said that like he stopped, he started being subservient and stopped. Um, yeah, at the same amount of time. Getting, yeah, like uh, three months ago, which must have been when um, she'd made a replacement and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. Pretty good. I like this one. Um, finally, time and time again. Oh, this one's real dark. Mm. Script robot Nicholas Barber, art robot Kevin Walker, letting robot Bambos. So this one's actually a time twister, Fox. Yay. The first time twister since Prog 374 and the last one till Prog 722. So, Jeez. You know, a lot of islands. I mean, there's still time travel in these stories, you know. Oh, sure. In these shocks. But this one's specifically a time twister. Um, first time in the Prog for a Nicholas Barber. He'll write some more future shocks as we go forward. Um Anyway, this dude, he's walking by a Mackers, as they say in, uh, in the UK, when yeah. a dude from – oh, sorry. Yeah. When a man from the 20th of August in the year 5089 warps next to him and a future <laughs> policeman follows. The man, shoot him. 
yeah, the man gets caught in a crossfire. The last thing he hears is a hysterical bystander repeating the Lord's Prayer. Then it gets real crazy as the criminal's future buddies warp back to help the, the criminal, and more cops come back too, as does press to cover the whole arrest and sightseers and stuff. <laughs> it's real nuts, man. And he's, he has to live through this each time. Yeah, we see that new realities are being created constantly. There's somewhere the narrator lives 40 years, somewhere he dies, somewhere he's wounded, somewhere he goes mad and it's all happening constantly there's time tourists aliens pranksters it never ends and the only constant in all these different time streams and all these different lives he's lived over and over again as people mess with the past is that time goes on forever and ever amen (laughs) world without end the world keeps going forever. Times like seven thousand flat circles stacked on top of each other. <laughs> it's horrible. Stop making I mean, us live our own lives repeatedly. I mean, we are, when it comes, we, oh, this is yeah. kind of Roy, then, isn't it? He is Roy. Little bit. I mean, I'll say that. Um, what for me? My belief in all this fake um, sci-fi time cosmology is that every any one consciousness just experiences one timeline. Yeah. So while there might be multi, you know, whereas this one sort of um, is positing that instead of there just being multiple Conrads on multiple timelines, um, there's only one Conrad who experiences all time at once, which just seems like a lot, you know. Yeah. In other words, you know, you're not even as unique as your own self. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Listen, I'm a deep believer in the concept that time exists so that everything doesn't happen at once and space exists so that everything doesn't happen to you. That's and pretty good. Sp- speaking of things that just happened to you, Fox. Oh, my God. And it was a lot of things. <laughs> what are your top and bottom thrills for this episode? 595 to 599. Uh, oh, man. Uh, well, bottom, I'm just going to clear out of the way pretty quick. And that was, uh, tyranny racks. Mm. Um, you know, just, uh, maybe that was the point of it. I like, I had to reread it twice. Um, which I don't really, you know, I, I got it a little bit more on the second time reading, but even then just coming through with you, like stuff started kind of clicking together. I don't like with something that has this much text densely packed into it, which it does. I don't want to have to read that a whole a whole ton in order to like fucking get it. And if it is going to have this kind of thing, like obviously I want to read stuff where Tyranny Rex is in the comic. Um, I just would also like that if we're going to have dialogue, let's make it in service of something and not like a lot of nothing, like laying on a beach saying the same oh, yeah. things over and over again. <laughs> No, I mean, I, th- I, I think I'll join you with uh, with a tyranny on the bottom, although I, I do apologize to her because I keep calling her uh, – I keep calling tyranny purity and the, these two names really <laughs> messed up in my head and I, I apologize for that. It's all but, good. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that this story does reward a close reading and trying to really think about what's going yeah. on with here. But that's real different than how I'm experiencing all the rest of the thrills in the yeah, plot, I guess. exactly. So I because just... – yeah. I was gonna say that 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 because you need a different mindset to kind of get into to get going with Tyranny Rex, it makes it a difficult read and comp- you know it, it it makes it stick out a little bit um, from the rest of the prog. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm there with you. <laughs> so in terms of Top Man, uh, I really, really, really want to give it to Chopper, um, and so in spirit, it is there, kind sirs. Uh, but mm. given that it was only in three of the issues that we read this time. I think the very clear winner for me is Zenith. 
just because of how disgusting, disturbing, weird, horrible, and like <laughs> the tension is now like building up pretty substantially at this point to whatever like the trigger or when the trigger gets pulled both for London and for our boy. Um mm-hmm. Really loving how evil these evil guys are. It's oh, real sure. gross what Dr. Payne's doing. He's a real gross dude. Uh, ends <laughs> justifying the means. Although, like, I, you know, I, him wanting to kill Zenith at this point. But it, it's like, don't, I, I mean, don't you want more of his whatever? I guess he doesn't have to be alive to breed, yeah, I suppose. Gro- it's just... Grossly, now that he's deposited some genetic material, they basically got all they want for just some more yeah. um, in, more incesty and incestier kind of a superhero babies it's, and stuff. It's real gross, and I dig it because it is fucking sci-fi and creepy. Um, <laughs> but sir, my God, I got your bottom, but sir, I, I need one last thing from you, and that is your top. Oh, Lay it man. on me, Big Papa. Um, there's a lot... There, there's some fun stuff in this in this issue. I feel yeah. like um, Moonrunners, like, like we talked about, has sort of some hints of some deeper stuff going on. I don't think that deeper stuff's really there, but it's still just kind of interesting as a concept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, again, feeling real gross that we just keep talking about how 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 how, how attractive these space ladies are. You know, whatever. I mean, that's really all that they're. It, it's like ninety percent of what they show in that is just scantily clad women in positions yeah. of power. So I'm like, what is the message here? Yeah, it's very much like Ace Trucking, but with like like the only thing added is that it's just more humans yeah. and more like like human ladies not wearing a ton, basically. Yeah, it's um, real weird. But um, and I like Dread this month too. Just a lot of yeah. one-offs. Those are pretty good. And you know, it's always fun when a PJ maybe shows up. I'm glad mm-hmm. to sort of now we've sort of established him as a character. I think over the last two Prague episodes we've done, it's good to sort of see him out here doing stuff. Um, but I think I will. I'm sorry. A big start for Rogue Trooper. Interested in that in this hit, which is going to be kind of an, an interesting thing. And yeah, I like Chopper pretty well too. But I think I'll I'll join you with a Zenith as my top. solidarity. Fun superhero stuff. I love this part of the story where we get just a ton of, of like revelations and boots dropping and stuff like that. Yeah. It's sort of boots you know, knocking. We've, we, <laughs> whoa. We've had these big dramatic parts and it's really sort of opening, you know, after a lot of setup, this sort of opens the way for a big action packed couple of weeks for the uh, finale of the story. Man, rad. So, I'm excited. Should be exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and so I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Titch the Google Play Store, Spotify, our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. You can contact us, spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. On the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter, Space Spinner 2K, everything else like with Space Spinner 2000, you'll find us there. And then come back next week as we arrive at Prague 600. <gasps> Oh my god. We'll finish up hit four. Zenith spends some time with his dad. Things are getting spooky in Moonrunners. Dread <laughs> deals with wishes and spider women. And the oh. Strontium dogs return for the final solution. Oh. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, that's the right response. Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox. And we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid. Splendid. Splendid.